We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Am I the only one who thinks this is totally insane? Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here. They're not using just weights and measures. He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Rage of Bible is interpreted by experts. Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Rob and Caleb show, the show where theology matters, scholarship counts, and theology matters. <laughs> yeah. well, my name is Caleb Egg. With me today, oh, oh, oh. Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going, buddy? I'm happy. Good. God is good, and I'm happy about that. There's... <laughs> There's pe- there's people who don't realize this, but uh, this is the se- the second day in a row that Rob and I have recorded. I don't know what you're laughing at. Yes, I'm not seeing anything in the chat room. I'm just smiling because I'm happy. <laughs> there's nothing. Rob's Caleb, lost do I it. Need, do I need a reason to smile? <laughs> no, no, Aside I guess from not. Yeshua, our Savior. There you go. His his love for us. So Rob and I recorded yesterday. We recorded our show for. So next week we'll be at camp. We're not going to have. We're not going to be live. We'll have a recording that's up. The week after that, I'll be at Disneyland. So we recorded. We've recorded. We pre-recorded. Woohoo! We've recorded those shows uh, in advance, which is they've been fun shows. To be honest with you, it's interesting not having the chat room to yell at us about things. Um, But I think that people will be excited about some of the stuff that we uh, recorded. It was good, but I guess we get a little bit of a taste of what would. Are those two? You know how we have like two in a series. Are they playing back to back? Yes, they are. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's right. This the first one's playing next week, and then the second one. Yeah. So, so it's a little bit of a taste for us of what it's what it would be like if we did a show every day, two in a row, and basically what that means is I've had zero time to prepare for this show today. I'm a little bit nervous. We might have a very, you know, I think this every show, though, we might have a really short show. Maybe it'll be half an hour today. Who knows? You might you might uh, turn off the Tor Resource Radio, or you might stop watching, like, halfway through the video. Well, that's, uh, I expect people to do that anyway. <laughs> you know, we've had a lot of people recently tell us that they're part of, that they're one of the 36. I know, that's ha- pretty. I'm happy about that. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, wait, we have to. Yeah, well, we've got a we got a new listener that that wrote in, and uh, oh, look at that! Michael Gonzalez says that he just put a new uh, TR radio graphic on Facebook. Sorry, I'm looking at the chat room, everybody. Um, let's see what see what we got. See what we got. So there's oh yeah, look at that! All right, I'll share that. That looks nice. Go to Tor Resource. Uh, go to the Facebook.com, everybody. And uh, click on the, uh, the go, go to the Torah resource page. If you don't like it already, like the Torah resource page and then share the uh, the new graphic that just came out for Torah Resource Radio. Very nice. Okay. So how you been, man? What's been going on? I got a new well, yarmulke the other day from uh, Mr. Adam Smith. Very yeah, nice. Yeah, that's is that uh, all the way from uh, Montana. Montana? Yes. Sweet. Very nice. Is that 
Is that made in Montana? <laughs> Doubtful. Uh, yeah, but uh, what's been going on, man? I see, now, last last week, it's it's hard to orientate myself since we've done extra shows. But uh, last week, you were on vacation. And uh, you were taking some time off at your cabin, the cabin in the woods. And uh, my father came on for a Q&A. It was a good time. It was fun. Uh, th- those are super easy for me because I don't even have to prepare for them. I just collect a couple of different questions and let my dad talk. I said, I think I was, I was, I was doodling the whole time. Pretty much, you know, whatever. So I'm also trying to figure out. I think I've figured out a way to make uh, the show live, video live, oh. on, on our Facebook page. Now the problem that is, would be cool. I haven't figured out quite yet how. I would make it. Uh, haven't figured out yet, yet how I'd make it so that they could see both of us. But I figured out how that they could is, uh, hear both advanced. of us. Yeah, hear both of us and see me. Not that anybody wants to see me. That's advanced technology you're talking about there. That's but. true. Okay, so tell me what you did at your cabin. What'd you read? I've been reading a couple books. Most of, well, I spent a lot of time in uh, Jeremiah. Book of Jeremiah. That's interesting. I'm I'm in Jeremiah right now too. Jeremiah nine is where I'm at today. Um. Uh, so, Jeremiah and working through some chapters in in Hebrew. Psalms. Uh, doing doing Psalm nineteen at camp family camp. I'm yeah, super you're excited. You're teaching on, for, te- yeah, teaching on oh, that. Yeah. I'm so excited. So excited about that. I'm so grateful for that opportunity and, um. What else was I reading? I I was reading, aside from scripture, I'm still, in the back of my mind, I've got uh, the terrain that's slowly being laid out for our Jewish mysticism course. That looks good. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, you've got to take it, man. You know how much reading I would have to do. Yeah, but yeah, but that's but be part of the discussion, and you know, I got to yeah. I got to take Greek syntax. I got to convince my teacher to give it to just me. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> so, but I'm excited. We've got a couple people signed up for Aramaic this yeah, year. Yeah. So I'm excited about. We've got it looks like a healthy first year Greek class coming up. Um, so we're just coming into that kind of landing from this uh, kind of some of the more mental freedom of the summertime to for research and writing to coming into like, okay, to our beginning of our school year. The other thing I'm really, I'm really excited about is just, I feel like our mini course, our tour resource Institute mini course on the calendar was awesome. I'm so excited. I, I, I just saw wonderful, even up to yesterday interactions because Gary kept the forums open. Oh, so nice. students are interacting very, very, uh, you know, because we're talking about difficult issues sometimes with people who are very cordial and loving in their interactions on the forum. Not only that, I think we had about 75 people take the course. Yeah. And I think we had like 64 people took all the quizzes. So nice. that's that's a high. Uh, that means most of the people who signed up actually did the work, did, did the work when that's that was just really cool. And. And we got some really good feedback from people that they just uh, were appreciative of, of it and they felt uh, that we weren't trying to hammer uh, uncertainties, uh, you know, our preferences on people. That they didn't feel like we were trying to enforce our preferences, 
but rather we were trying to be honest with the sources and with history and, and to say, you know, frankly, there's things we, we just don't know and we need to be patient. Uh, and I think people appreciated that tone and, and that's the tone that we have at Tor Resource uh, overall. But I think this mini course was an opportunity to people, people, who listen, people who listen to this show don't think that about Tor Resource. I know. I know. <laughs> but look, they, we have something for everybody. They think that all we're doing is pounding people, <laughs> pounding people down with you know our opinions. Uh, Caleb, do we? Do you have? Do you have? Uh, if I just just for good old time's sake want to do a, a gematria time, do you have oh, audio for that? Hang on, just a sec. Let's. Uh, I just thought you know it's been a while. Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> now, now, this is, this is, uh, I was not expecting this, people. So, yeah, this is a surprise to me, too. <laughs> um, hang on. Rob's. Boy, man, you, you caught me off guard on this one. Music. Oh, you want that? Hang on just a sec. No, no, no. Well, let me find it. Hang on. I'm looking. Music. Hoff goes off. I don't think I have it. Well, I have it. There's no doubt about that. No, that's all right. That's all right. Hang on. Hang on. I'm still looking. Let's do this. Okay. Dude, what did Mac do with their new uh, search? This is awful. Okay, here we go. You know how many Robin Caleb shows I have? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're out of luck. I think we have a lot of audio. Whoa, what's going on there? Yeah, I, I think you're out of luck, dude. Sorry. I'm sorry. Go for it, though. Tell, tell me what you got. Well, it's show number 137, right? That's true, yes. And uh, I thought, you know, I, I've been reading all the reading, background reading I've been doing for this Jewish mysticism course we're doing, learning about the reception of the Zohar in like the 1700s, 1800s, and how Hang on just a sec. Hang on. Oh, did you find it? It's Rob's Gematria. There it is. All you had to do is give me enough time. Okay. So how there were communities that absolutely rejected the Zohar, it, Jewish like rabbis, that said, no, it was not written in the second century. It's a total recent invention. Da, da, da. Anyway, they did parodies of it. They would actually <laughs> write in Aramaic, Zoharic Aramaic, they would write parodies. Anyway, so here we go. Here's, here's our, for show 137. That's right. Ani Hanavi Haba. I am the coming prophet. Whoa. Okay. Here's another one. Yom Valila, day and night. Day and night, yeah. Adds up, adds up to 137. Another is Kabbalah, the word Kabbalah. Yeah, the table, 137. Yeah. And then finally, Baten Bele'ah, which means a full belly, full tummy. Yeah. So, uh, again, I just report the facts. I'm not going <laughs> to, this is a spin free uh, show. Uh-huh. So, you decide. Yes. I'm just giving you the facts of, of, of the gematria of our show today. 
If everyone notices that this that there's a different tone to this show, it's because we don't we we have a couple of things planned, but there's no there's no pressing matter. You know, I don't have like a hundred clips pulled today, so we're just kind of going all over the place. All right, let's talk for a few seconds about some of this stuff. We got uh, now. Let me get to my notes real quick. Sorry. Um, okay, so we did have somebody ask a question. You, I don't think you answered this, but she asked the question on our Facebook page. Now. Tell me if you answered this, but she says, sorry, I missed the opportunity to ask this random question last week, wondering if you guys could help me understand the Hebrew equivalent for koinos. Up to now, I've considered akathartos as something innately characteristically unclean, that is, unclean meats and demons, X10, etc. And so I think tema, or te, yeah, tema, and uh, I think tema, she's now switching between Hebrew and, and Greek, obviously, koinos, might be something like wine or steak that is okay to consume, but once offered to a god becomes common, Romans 14. Where I'm stumbling is trying to understand where koinos comes from. If I had an online Septuagint, this might be easier, but where is the concept in the Hebrew, and what words would be used to convey it? I appreciate any help you yeah, can that, offer to clear oh, up my thing. Remind me her name. That was great. Sue. Sue. Sue, Sue yeah. yeah. I, I, I did reply, and I thanked Sue for that. That's the kind of attention to, to detail, detail that yeah. is really great. Um, uh, short answer, koinos, this is the word used, uh, for example, in Romans 14, where Paul, Paul says, uh, uh, to him who calls something ko uh, koinos, to him it is koinos, right? Or um, it's used in Mark 7, Matthew 15, with, you know, you eat with hands that are koinos, Right. And then and that's the, the and then Yeshua gets into the traditions of men versus the word of God and stuff like that. Sure. So she's asking about this word koinos because sometimes it's translated as unclean. Sometimes it's translated as common. And she's saying, I can't find it in the Torah. Well, that's right. It's not a concept found in Torah. It's not a category defined by the Torah. It's a recent innovation. I, I, I suggest by Pharisees that are um, basically creating uh, association rules, right? They want to they create these groups of solidarity. Yes, we all preserve the same purity reg, uh, restrictions and stringencies. We all tithe our food uh, in, in the same manner. We all agree that we're not going to buy uh, wine from Gentiles. Or, you know what I mean? They, they basically have what essentially we would call works of the law, uh, these are stringencies applied to their community and brotherhood life to kind of make them a little more uh, what we call an association or a chavura, um, uh, like a like a club, like we're the, we're a club and we're a holiness club, and these are the rules that you have. Our to club have. is better than your club. Now the difference between yeah exactly because the outsiders remember they would not eat with with those people that they labeled outsiders to their sure. group. Sure. Even if they were Jewish, that's why the whole story in Luke, where, where Yeshua says the Pharisees are are upset because Yeshua is eating with quote sinners and tax collectors, right? And that's when he tells them all these these parables, you know, culminating in the the prodigal son story. But in any event, the koinos is not the same as akathartos, which is the Greek word for unclean. Um, Paul, the apostles, they use unclean, uh, they use the word unclean appropriately. Like Paul says, you know, 
when he quotes uh, the scripture saying, come out of her, you know, touch not the unclean thing, um, you know, unclean spirit. This is the word tame, temuah from the Hebrew or akathartos in Greek. But um, it's a really good question. One of the things we need to realize is with koinos, koinos could be washed off, right? Koinos is something that the Pharisees considered could get on your hands, and then it, but it could be washed off. If you did the right hand-washing procedure, you would remove that koinos, and then you'd be okay to partake in the, in the community meal. So, um, so it's a great question that she asked, and uh, I think— you know, just to touch back to Romans 14, Paul says, you know, because you have people coming and saying, oh, that's koinos, that's koinos. Well, they're not applying Torah. They're applying this new, this other little set of rules that they have. And uh, and Paul's just saying, well, yeah, the guy who's going to call that koinos, he's going to think that's koinos. But the thing in and of itself is not koinos, right? But the, God defines what is clean and unclean. Um, you know, any, any, uh, Pharisaic or other Jewish sects uh, label of this new term uh, does not actually define the thing itself. Uh, how's that? <laughs> good, 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 good. I go off. No, okay. no. Okay. good question. So, Great question. So, um, sorry, I'm looking at a bunch of stuff here. This is this no, is that's good. Fine. Okay, so I, I I took one for the team, everybody, and uh, I I went and I purchased the Way documentary. That's right. I purchased the Way documentary as a direct download, and I decided that I'd watch it to give a short review on today's show. And so I did, and uh, watched the whole thing yesterday. And uh, I so I wrote down a couple of things. I wrote down uh, good things about the documentary, and then problems I had with the documentary. And actually, the good things are are as many, if not more, than the bad things that I found with the documentary. Here are the good things that I found with the Way documentary. Now, this is in your show notes for anybody who wants to uh, find a link. Yeah. So the good things about the Way uh, documentary. It was very well done. Okay. Uh, it's it looks nice. The um, cinematography is great. Editing was was well done. <clears throat> Easy to follow. Uh, another thing that I thought was really great about the documentary. The message of the documentary is that believers should keep Torah. So, you know, within the Messianic movement, and this is something that we've talked about before, but within the Messianic movement, you have several different splinter groups. So you have Hebrew roots. Hebrew roots uh, predominantly would say that Jews and Gentiles should both be keeping the Torah, okay? And uh, uh, the difference between, say, Hebrew roots and uh, one law theology is that predominantly Hebrew roots people tend to be two-house, right? So they believe that, um, and we've talked about this very recently as well, they believe that for instance, the uh, the lost tribes were dispersed into the, the entire world. Uh, this is something that the documentary hit on for just a few seconds. They actually took a quote from Encyclopedia Britannica, and uh, it said that the the tribes were dispersed in seven uh, seven hundred BCE. Um, anyway, so uh, so the two house theology says that the the uh, descendants of Jacob, the physical descendants of Jacob, that is the what what we would consider the Jewish people, even though two Housers consider the Jewish people only to be from the tribe of Judah. Uh, they two Housers would say that these lost tribes are dispersed, and anyone who is coming to true faith in the Messiah predominantly is someone from one of those lost tribes. Uh, this erases Gentile 
uh, Gentile identity uh, uh, within the body of Messiah, and I'm not sure how you would deal then with uh, much of the scriptures. Uh, they get around it in some very interesting ways. Uh, so I think that two-house theology is a major problem. And uh, so that's the difference that I would see between, uh, and there's just a lot of crazy stuff that goes off goes on within the Hebrew roots uh, movement. Anyway, uh, so the the message of the documentary was a great message, which is that believers should be keeping the Torah. Uh, I thought that was very good. Another thing I really liked about it, it was easy to follow. Uh, something that non-Torah—I'm reading what I wrote down—something that non-Torah-keeping Christians can understand and will get them asking good questions. You know, why aren't we keeping the Sabbath? If Jesus kept the Sabbath, why don't we keep the Sabbath? If Jesus and the apostles kept the festivals, why don't we keep the festivals? And they tried to show, uh, to you know, both sides of it. So they had Christian, you know, Christian uh, people saying why we shouldn't be keeping the Sabbath, and they had, you know, Messianic slash Hebrew roots people saying why we should keep the Sabbath. Okay, and then uh, last but not least, it was extremely sincere. I honestly believe that the 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 uh, documentary, the people who made the documentary have great hearts. I think that they are honestly seeking. I think that they, uh, you know, the message that they're trying to give is a great message. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, I think that that's, uh, I think those were some really good things about the documentary. And to be honest with you, there wasn't a whole lot as I went through it. I thought, well, that's, you know, uh, that discounts it right there. However, there are a couple of problems with the documentary. And actually, first, I uh, looked this up right before we came on air, so this is not in your show notes. J uh, J.K. McGee says, last night I watched the Way documentary. This is on his Facebook page, by the way, and Rob pointed me to this. He says, a documentary uh, on the independent Hebrew Hebraic roots movement. I need to watch it two or three more times. Briefly, I was not surprised by much of what, what I saw. Because my commitment is to sift between data and noise, my major commitment in reviewing this production is to listen to the individual people and families whom God has moved upon to leave their previous Christian experience and enter into a still developing and emerging messianic movement. And then actually a significant amount of my friends have actually commented on that. And it looks like there's good discussion on it uh, all around. So some of the things that I, some of the problems that I had with this documentary. Um, so th throughout the documentary, they hit on it three different times. They have a theological, they, they bring in the theological debate of how many days Yeshua was in the grave. And that might turn some people off. Basically, they say, well, I think that the reason that they used this was because they wanted to show something that, you know, Christians predominantly believe that Yeshua died on a Friday and rose on a Sunday. And I think that what they were trying to do with this was show, well, this is something that Christians have just accepted uh, without really thinking about it. And uh, so we're going to show how this is wrong, and that'll get people thinking. The problem is, is that they have not, it doesn't seem as though they've taken into consideration the fact that there's a reason why Christianity predominantly says that Yeshua died on a Friday and rose on a Saturday, or rose on a Sunday. Uh, and so they get, you know, obviously they just quote the statement that uh, just as uh, Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be uh, in, the, in the grave. And uh, so they keep going back to this. I understand why they would want to do that, but at the same time, it's a theological debate that uh, they haven't, it doesn't seem to me that they've actually taken all the evidence in, into consideration. And so it might turn some Christians off who have done serious study into 
into this point. And I probably would have left this point alone uh, if, you know, if uh, if it was brought up one time or something like that. But they go back to it three three times. They bring it up in the documentary. And so that could turn some people off. Another thing is, is that uh, uh, at about one one hour or so, a person says that if you are a believer, you are no longer a Gentile. And uh, the next scene, however, has Steve Motria, how do you say his name? Anyway, from Torah Family. And he, it almost as if he gives a different understanding of it, he almost sets the record straight. And I'm happy that they edited it, it like that. So it kind of gives two. But the problem is, is that you almost have a, well, you have, a, it's almost like you have an erasing of Gentile identity. And I don't think that that's what Israel is. Israel is Jew and Gentile together, right? Israel as the, the elect, that is, is, uh, is Jew and Gentile together. It's not all Jews, you know? Um, so anyway, but... Yeah, the my... difficulty there is that sometimes they mean Gentile, they mean like pagan. Like you're yes. no longer... And, and of course, we would agree with that. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that people are going to think I'm being nitpicky on that. However, I think that some people, especially Christians, and maybe even more well-learned Christians, might think, uh, especially somebody who's maybe a dispensationalist, might believe uh, that maybe I don't know, uh, you know, might think that there's some uh, some replacement theology going on, or you know, there might be some questions there. However, my biggest biggest uh complaint and uh, i know i'm gonna get flagged for this guilt by association um i wrote down some names that of people who were in this now monty judah was in this for about eight seconds as was uh as was michael rude they they didn't have long parts they didn't talk a lot it was like they just had them, just a small little clip of them talking. Arthur Bailey was a, uh, a big part. Okay, so there were there were three guys, three or four guys who really kind of upheld the the Hebrew roots movement throughout this. Arthur Bailey was one of them, and my biggest complaint was Rob Skiba. Now I I know people are gonna uh, you know cry foul on this. Rob Skiba seems to be an extremely nice man. He seems to have a very good heart for the Lord. He seems to really want to, to uh, learn the truth and preach the truth. It seems like he has a good uh, faith story of how he came to Torah and all these kind of things. It doesn't excuse his complete and utter lack of scholarship, his lack of, of knowledge when it comes to the biblical languages, and his leading people astray. I'm sorry, that's all there is to it. He is the father of of conspiracy theory within the uh, within the messianic realm, Hebrew roots realm. Listen to this clip. I pulled this is the one clip I pulled from it. It's two minutes long, and keep in mind that Rob Skiba is one of the main voices that they keep going back to. Now, there were some traps. We got caught up in some traditions, and these traditions. This, by the way, is Arthur Bailey. Uh, I remember one specific tradition is how you enter into the Sabbath day and the wife putting on the shawl and lighting the candles and praying the prayers. And I brought that home to my wife and she says, I'm not doing that. <laughs> she says, I am not doing that. I don't see that. That doesn't even look right. 
And it's like, where's that at in the Bible? That's what she's asking. Where's that at in the Bible? And that's the rationale of my wife. It's like, okay, if we're going to do it, you're going to have to be able to show me that in the Bible. If you can show it to me in the Bible, then I can get with it. And I couldn't find that. And so when tradition trumps Bible, tradition has to go. Okay, I want to stop right here. And the reason why is because I'm all for what Arthur Bailey's message in this is, which is that if your tradition is trumping the Bible, the tradition has got to go. I'm all for that. However, it seems to me like what he's saying is that the candle lighting, that the traditional way to enter in the Sabbath is somehow trumping Sabbath. I reject that wholeheartedly. And I'm not sure why they would have put this in the documentary. I think that predominantly the majority of people in the Messianic slash Hebrew Roots movement are entering the Sabbath in that way because it's a good tradition. There's nothing wrong with tradition. It's just he's right that when tradition trumps Torah, but how is uh, lighting candles and, and saying traditional prayers, how is that trumping the Torah? I don't get it. I, I don't. I don't understand... I don't understand why that would even be his analogy. You know, choose something like separating milk and meat where you can't sit down at the same table as as your brother and the Lord and have a meal with them because they're eating milk milk and meat. You know, they're having a hamburger and you're only eating salad. And, you know, you're not going to sit down at the same table with them. Why wouldn't you choose something like that as opposed to something that many people within the Messianic and Hebrew roots find to be helpful when it comes to celebrating the Sabbath? I I don't get it. Uh, anyway, let's keep going. Trump's Bible, tradition has to go. And those are some of the traps. I mean, there's several traps that we had to navigate through. Being in the Torah movement long enough, you see kind of crazy things come and go. <laughs> so coming out of tradition, and, and then you go into something else that is... Into the black belt of conspiracy theory. Into the black belt of conspiracy theory. Now cut back to Rob Skiba. This, I mean, this is how, this is what I don't get. This is what I don't get. These people are coming out of the church, which they say is full of untruth, right? And good for them. I'm happy that they're on this journey, that they're trying to keep Torah. But they're jumping out of one miry uh, bog into another. And that is the false Hebrew roots. You got Rob Skiba, who I, I'm not saying he's not a believer and I'm not saying he's a wonderful guy. But theologically, the guy's the guy is the leading the charge on flat earth right now, right? He's a flat earth advocate. He just posted something on his Facebook page today. Uh, Biblical tabernacle is nothing like what you'd think. Bible savvy engineer. He says that the tabernacle was a dome. The, the, what? I mean, come on. He he believes uh, in alien invasions that, uh, I mean, you name it. The guy is just totally out there. He is the father of messianic conspiracy theory. And this is who you want to point people to? Yeah, that's sad. That's super sad. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. It's my, my theory of inevitable discovery. Inevitable discovery, meaning that... The, The Ruach works in people's hearts, and they're going to discover things. They're going to, through their discipleship, through their walk of faith, they're going to learn to to separate the wheat from the chaff. 
And so it's not any one person, right? It's just like me listening, being, you know, listening to a lot of Chuck Missler in the mid nineties thinking, wow, this is great. And then starting to, Oh, he would quote like a Hebrew word or something like that. I didn't know. I'm like, wow, this guy's getting into the Bible. And that seems like that's an important thing to do. Um, but as time, you know, fast forward a few years, I'm studying Hebrew at college and it's like, oh my goodness, that guy didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> but the point is, I still, it, it was inevitable discovery. I, I was going to, you know, I could have, if it was uh, a Michael Rood or I don't know who other teachers, Amani Judah out there, if people uh, basically idolize their teachers, then they're going to just stay in that, they're going to stay in that bin. You know what I mean? They're just going to eat whatever that person gives them. But uh, I think that, and God lets that happen. But I think for his elect, they're going to inevitably discover the truth and they're going to separate, you know, they're going to see those uh, crazies, those people that are, they need to distance themselves from. Well, that's just it. Is the other thing is that you know you got some great guys in here. So here, here are some names that I now keep in mind. Some of these guys are really great guys, but here are some names that I that I just wrote down as they were talking on the on the you know these are the people some of the people who were in the documentary: Monty Judah, Arthur Bailey, uh, Brad Scott, St- Steve Mo- Motria, Mutria, Motria. I I know Steve. I've, I've talked to him before. I've never met him personally, but uh, he's a great guy, a great brother in the Lord. Um, I don't agree with him on everything, obviously. Michael Rood, Rob Skiba, Zach Bauer, also a great guy. Brian Barnes, John Sherman, also a, a wonderful guy. Uh, Paul Neeson, Enrico Cortez. Now, so, but predominantly the people that I saw were Arthur Bailey and Rob Skiba. And these are the people, so I guess my question is, you got some of these great guys. I don't agree with any of these guys wholeheartedly on, you know, I think they're part of the Hebrew Roots movement. But somebody who you know, like John Sherman, who uh, who's who's running uh, one nineteen ministries, is is he guilty by association? In other words, he gets lumped in now with all these guys. You know, Zach Bauer does uh, does uh, uh, conferences a lot with uh, Rob Skiba. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing a conference, and it depends, you know, what the focus of the co- conference is, obviously. But Gary has a good question. He says. Were these people just saying, hey, this is my own opinion, or were they saying, this is an authoritative, this is the way it is? Because that makes a difference. Meaning what? Okay, so, so expand on that well, a little bit. Well, were, were they allowed to self-differentiate? Here's the thing. Here's, and, and this is kind of one of the reasons that I would be very uh, hesitant to do, uh, to be a part of a, a project like this, is because... You know, I'm sure that they probably interviewed Michael Rood for an hour, maybe longer, maybe two hours. And the the amount that they put in from Michael Rood was maybe eight to ten seconds. So, you know, if if I go on, if you know, if I'm getting interviewed for something like this and uh, they say, OK, well, tell you know, tell us about the Hebrew roots or, or your faith or whatever. You know, what am I going to touch on? I'm going to touch on the main key, key components of my faith Faith in Yeshua, the Messiah alone, justification, sanctification, blah, 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 all those kind of things, uh, sanctification through Torah. But I'm going to talk, I would talk about things like, I don't agree, you know, I think that Monty Judah is a heretic, I think that Michael Rood's a heretic, you know, all these kind of things, that's all going to get cut out. So it's going to make us look like we're, like I'm, 
I've thrown my lot in with these guys. And that's a huge problem. And that's did what that, did that did the producers of the documentary take a moment and say this is was our method? Our method was to select no. these oh, people no. and why we selected them. No. Absolutely. Not. So so the audience is never doesn't know why these particular people were chosen Correct. to to be part of it. Oh wow. Okay. Um, so, you know, and my, my buddy, this is something you've talked about Chuck Missler and whatnot before uh, my buddy, David Wilbur, he put up a, uh, he put up a post the other day on, on Facebook and, uh, he was talking about the Nephilim and whatnot. And, and so in the comments section, there was a, a, a person who said, you know, Rob, Rob Skiba's work on this has been great. Rob Skiba, uh, led me to a life of Torah. And somebody else wrote back and said, yeah, uh, you know, I came to, know, to Torah through Rob Skiba as well. I, I'm sure that the Lord is using uh, Mr. Skiba to, to bring people to the Lord. That doesn't excuse his, his uh, complete. But, but here's, the, here's what's going to happen. Let's say people are like, that's true. Let's just take those people's word for it. If they're truly a disciple of Yeshua, they are going to take everything they've learned from this guy and they're going to go start studying the scriptures and then they have to rebuild according to the scriptures. And in other words, anything, any structure that Yeshua builds is built on rock and is going to stand. Sure. So, so if they think, Oh, they get excited about something as this new lifestyle because of what this guy said, that initial, Initially, that doesn't tell us anything. That could be the same as the seed that falls on the ground and on the, the, the stony ground and quickly sprouts up because of the joy of what's received. But when the sun comes, yeah. it fries up and blows away. And, and so just because someone says that, oh, I came to tour because of, the, of this guy. To me, I'm already suspicious of what kind of seed. Is this in good ground or is this just a seed that's excited but once the long dur endurance and perseverance is the requisite uh, mode of faith, walk, and discipleship, if they, if they persevere, they're going to find that the house that Yeshua is building in them is built on the rock of his word, not on the winds of these guys' doctrine. And that's what happened with, like, with the Chuck Missler. So I go, or other teachers that influenced me heavily, I was like influenced, influenced, influenced. Uh, I remember... You know, this was in the, uh, like 98, 99. Then Michael Rood came along, was saying one thing. Another teacher was saying another. I was like, man, I, I'm excited about, all of a sudden, it's like my excitement was separated. There was a differentiation. My excitement for Torah was different now. It wasn't attached to any one teacher because they were all like, wait a minute, I can't. And I, I'm so grateful that God did that in my life. Because then it's like, okay. And then he created a path for me that, that uh, was saying, okay, we're going to go down and we're going to go to the foundation. We're going to go to bedrock. And we're going to start building and it's going to take time and it's going to take a lot of hard work and it's going to take patience. But in the long run, it's the only thing I want. And any, it's just going to be the same for any other person. But if you associate too much with a particular teacher as your source of nourishment, that's a misidentification that's going to kick you in the rear down the road. You know what I mean? That's, that's, but, but, but here's, here's the other thing for me. I, and I know I'm sure that I would get along great with Skiba. He seems like it's such a genuine, nice guy. I'd get along great with him as a person. I know that he's, you know, if he ever listens to us, which I, I assume he probably doesn't, why would he? But, 
you know, if he ever listens to us, I'm sure that he would think if he ever hears us, I'm sure he would think that we're just beating him up. But the fact of the matter is, is that if I if I was searching, Dude, the, the earth is the earth is a globe. <laughs> I guarantee it. Here's here. You know, but, but wait, hang on. Listen, hang on. If, if, if to, I. If I if I was if I watched this documentary and I and I was in Christianity and I wanted to come you know and I had questions about Torah and I looked up Arthur Bailey and or I looked up Skiba, if I looked up Rob Skiba and I looked on his Facebook page page and on his website and I saw what he was teaching, I would think these guys are totally nuts. Exactly. They're yeah, yeah. totally out to lunch. Yeah. This yep. is all conspiracy theory. They think that the that the uh, aliens are among us and and breeding this with is us. Why? And, this is why it says in the epistle of James or Yaakov, it says teachers have a higher judgment. That it, Don't think for a minute that Skiva isn't going to be held accountable but for, should, for leading for mis, promoting mistruths like that. It's not to me. It is it is a tool by by the enemy. To, yeah. Because yeah. you're not focusing on the truth of the scriptures anymore. It's all conspiracy theory and nonsense. You know. Yeah, I, I would be happy to break bread with him someday, but at the same time, theologically, he's uh, he's got to be he's got to be called out. It's ridiculous, yeah. and the fact that you the got... Earth is a globe, the Earth is a globe. It's not flat. It's not. It's just crazy. Yeah, crazy. But, crazy. but but the fact that some of these guys who are good guys, you know, Steve and Zach, are doing conferences with even Paul Neeson, you know. All these guys are uneducated theologically. I uh, that might not be true about Steve, uh, but I mean, why would you, why would you put get up on stage and do a Q and A with Rob Skiba on the same stage? How is that? How is that edifying to the body of the Messiah? You know, when when they did the last uh, Q and A that I saw with all three of those guys on stage, the first question was about flat Earth. The first question. You know, and now you got Zach and you got Steve and you got uh, uh, Paul Neeson all up on this stage, and they're having to be on this stage as Skiba is talking about how the Bible teaches flat Earth. What? Really? Come on. I, I just well, maybe maybe that their idea with the conference is like like if you had a Michael Brown and a James White, and they represent different. Viewpoints. Except I don't think it's not I don't, the same. It's not it's the not same because they they interact and they present the dispute to the audience, to the listeners, to those there. They, right? They present the dispute, <laughs> but you don't. It, you, you're right. In order My, for it Mike, to be equivalent, you'd have to have someone there promoting a globe. Uh, globe earth. Michael Gonzalez says, uh, "Share your uh, Caleb's share your Snickers analogy." This is the analogy that I give. Look, when you got somebody like my uh, like Michael Rood or or uh, you know uh, Monty Judah, it's like picking up the bottle of of cyanide, and on the bottle you got the skull and crossbones, and it says, "This is cyanide; it'll kill you." Right? Who's gonna open that up and drink it? Some people do. Whatever. That's up to them. But what I see with this documentary, the problem is, and I, I'm not trying to put down the creators, but what they've done is they've created the Snickers bar with cyanide in it. it looks... The truth of Torah, you take someone who's promoting flat earth and they happen to have a little bit of Torah in there. The person who believes in God is going to go, oh, that's true. Oh, they're, great, they're Snickers, let me have that. The Torah. They're going to see the, the Torah truths and they're going to agree with it and it's going to click, right? But you're right. What happens is at the same time they're getting a side of uh, cyanide, you know, and they, you know, we just prayer. Oh boy, 
that's just that's scary. Robert says uh, in the chat room, he says, what do you do with the teaching by some that the Jewish people believe in uh, in listening to and following the teacher of only your rabbi? And if you start listening to other rabbis, you will lose your way. Sounds cultish, but I do see how it could be problematic given the tremendous difference in how we should walk this lifestyle out. I agree. We should li be listening to one rabbi. One rabbi has sure. yeah, one rabbi has final word on everything. And if it doesn't line up with what he says, we reject it. His name's Yeshua. There's a reason why none of the apostles called themselves rabbi. Exactly. <laughs> There's a reason for that. Now, um, now, now, but, now I, know, I know what people are going to say. Look, there are other we, teachers. Even my father is teaching on the Bible, and people are listening to what he says. Yes, he's trying to illuminate. He's trying to illuminate what the, what the scriptures say and how the Messiah has taught. But he— but, you shouldn't just take what my father or any teacher says and accept it as truth. It should be, you you know, historical, grammatical interpretations, original languages, and a, and a, and a, a searching out of the Word of God is what should truly lead us. And Yeshua. Right. Right. That's, that's where our identity is, is not in uh, these other, you know, man-made institutions. Um, Okay, so uh, are we done with the way documentary? And you know, hey, congratulations to the to the movie makers for actually putting out a decent film. Uh, but I wouldn't share it with people, and the reason why is because I'm not going to help promote Rob. So Skiba. is this similar to uh, those those uh, messianic publishing houses that produce a really good looking book, or they know they're really good at graphics and uh, you know things like that. In other words, no, I, the marketing I, I, side, they the, know how to produce a product, but the content is the is problematic. Actually, I think the content, the way that they edited the content, I think is actually really good. That's not my problem with it. I think that the content of the documentary, for the most part, there's a, there's maybe one or two things that I have. Uh, I don't know about that. It's the guilt by association. It's the it's guilt the, by it's association. The, it's the misdirection of people who want to follow up. It's how many Christians uh, are going to get on their computer as soon as they're done with the way documentary and look up Rob Skiba. That's my oh, problem with yeah. it. And they're going to, and then, and then there's going to be, they're going to take it to their Sunday pastor, and the Sunday pastor is going to preach on the heres, heretics yeah. preaching a flat Earth and all that. Oh boy, yeah. I mean, now Arthur Bailey. I haven't studied Arthur Bailey stuff nearly as much, so I, can, I, sh you know, I don't want to talk out of church, but. Uh, uh, you know, just from an initial look at his website, he's got some issues going on too. Not, I, I don't know if anybody has as many issues going on, uh, as Skiba that isn't, you know, a heretic like Monty Judah or, or Michael Rude, but, uh, you know, Skiba has got some major theological issues. Okay. Well, uh, should oh, we someone said I, I would edit the movie, take out some of the uh, aspects. I like that. You know how they, they have, I guess I've never used it myself, but someone said they have these uh, machines that you have like a, a movie that's fun, but it has a couple scenes you want out so your kids can watch it. Yeah. That like, like it automatically, <laughs> like it somehow it, through a computer programming, they, they take those sections out. That'd be funny. You could do it with this. <laughs> uh, but that's the problem is that Skiba really does hold a significant part of, of the. Uh... Is there any, but there's no mention of Flat Earth. There, no, 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 no. Okay. And if there was, that would be one of my big problems with it. Okay. You know, they, they're 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 trying hard. Okay, um, they're trying hard to make to make it palpable for Christians, which I think is a good thing to do. Um, anyway, okay, you had uh, some some rules that you wanted to bring up. I'm going to look for something while you do that. 
Oh, that's right. We we're going to talk about my rules. Oh, I was in a discussion with a buddy the other day, and we were talking about uh, about the rules. Okay, here's an interesting thing. Real good friend of mine. He's studied Hebrew with me probably for four years now. Okay, so I've been teaching Hebrew uh, in the Spokane area Monday nights almost almost for four years. And I've restarted. We've I've used a couple different textbooks. I've restarted just locally here. There's just a few people that have really stuck with it and actually now are super excited about all the work they've done, you know, over the years. Sure. Um, most of the people who have taken the class have dissipated, and I don't even know if they still study it or what. Okay, aside from that. But he, at the same time, he thinks Messianics are pretty much crazy. <laughs> so he's a believer. He's a believer, but he's not affiliated to any church right now. Anyway, we don't need to get into that too much. But we, we like to, every once in a while, we'll meet and we'll read through the Psalms in Hebrew and stuff. Uh, and we were having this discussion, and I, I said, okay. I said, from my perspective, there's just a few basic rules for the disciple of Yeshua. So... The basic, the basic rule is, now given, assumption, you're a disciple of Yeshua. That's, that's a given. You have a relationship with Yeshua. Sure. Um, born again, however you want to label that. The first rule is read your scriptures as if your life depended on it. Right? Read your scriptures. Read mm-hmm. the Bible. Because that's nourishment for your soul. Right, that's your, your your spirit, your inner person, renewal of your mind. Right, read the scriptures. Second rule is in 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 reading the scriptures, you're going to encounter things like Abba, Father, Rabbi, which means teacher, Golgotha, meaning the place of the skull, or Eli Eli Lama Sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right, you have these these words that are explained for us and in so or messiah which is christ or which is anointed okay so in reading the scriptures all of a sudden you we get times where it's a dictionary right where we get we get a word that's like in aramaic for example and then we get its meaning now why is that important well as that's moves us into from rule 1 read the scriptures to rule number 2 is is in the more you read the scriptures, the more you start learning about the languages of the scripture, right? You start learning, oh, there's Hebrew, there's Greek, there's Aramaic. And you start learning about the languages and the culture, right? So that gets into a little more what we call Bible study or just awareness of the world of the Bible. And that's part of that responsibility is is understanding that there's other languages. In other words, that the English translation you're reading is a translation, and there's limitations with that. The third rule is, so let me, so read your Bibles, the first rule, like, it, like your life depends on it. The second rule is start to grow in awareness of the language and cultural issues associated with the Bible and its various eras in there. Uh, the third rule is, recognize that there's a lot you're never going to know. Find God's shalom in your life 
with the fact that there's a lot of uh, unknowns when it comes to understanding details of the Bible. And that's where, you, that's where the character traits of patience and perseverance and all those things come into play there. It's just get, it, get used to the fact that uh, even if you have an opportunity to study Hebrew or Greek or Bible history in, in real you know, in-depth manner, you're still, there's, there's still a big unknown there. That, and, and learning to be okay with that, learning to be patient with yourself, um, and not rushing, not trying to find a shortcut solution or buying into these teachers that are selling shortcut solutions or sensational, oh, guess what? There's a conspiracy. The world's really flat, and I can prove it. You know, or, or the Hebrew word pictures. Oh, all you need to know is each letter is a pictograph, and then, then you'll really be able to read the Bible. Or the Aleph Tav. Let me tell you about this Aleph Tav. It's a secret mystery. Okay, don't learn to discern those peddling the shortcut solutions and just and then stay away from them. So that's that's the third one is be accept the unknown and be okay with it and don't try to short circuit or run ahead of the spirit. And then the fourth one is stick with it. Is basically go back to rule number one. Read your Bible, you know, and and basically. I just kind of spontaneously came up with those while we were talking because it, it, it was a concise way to make a point to me is like, look, we're all, uh, if you're a disciple of Yeshua, that means his spirit is in you, right? You have the Ruach of Messiah in you. And that as you grow in a, as a disciple and as you are disciplined by Messiah, you're going to start, uh, you know, putting to death the deeds of the flesh. You're going to see things in you that you wish weren't there, but the fact is that, that God needs to show you they're there so, so you can die, so it can die, and then you can see more and more your dependence on him. And the Bible, reading the Bible is, is a key part of that growth, in, in my belief. And, um, and that's the way, and that's kind of the, the little, the self of the individual disciple. Now, yes, we need to be in community with others. There's other things that are involved in there. But um, I think if, if people understand and practice those basic rules and see those rules as a framework for their growth, they're, they're going to be, I, I think that, that would be a, uh, a sign that they're in good ground and they're going to they're gonna produce good fruit over the long term. Uh, just, just an idea that I throw out there. Yeah. Good notes for studying. Okay. Um... <laughs> Philip, a good rule might be read TRI's PDF, the pitfalls and using Strong's numbers. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, uh, last but not least, this is going to be a shorter show today, and uh, I'm sorry for that if uh, if anybody's upset about it. But last but not least, we have a new listener who did write in uh, and said that he was one of the 36. I'm going to probably pronounce his last name wrong, but that's okay. Uh, here we go. We would like to welcome Monty Ricard from Palm Springs, California, to the Robin Caleb Show's listening audience. You are now one of the coolest 36 people on Earth. Please consider yourself blessed. You've been blessed. 
if you would like to be welcome to our uh, listening audience, uh, and and the person who wrote in uh, this Monty, he was that was a that was a great email. Yeah, it was a great email, and I just want to say I'm excited to know someone else named Monty. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Rather than uh, the other Monty that we talk about sometimes. He he wrote in. He he basically said, uh, "I got good news. I got bad news. The good news is is that uh, I'm one of the 36. I've become one of the 36, and I listen." For those who don't get that joke, I had somebody one time ask me if it was because in Jewish mysticism, there's 36 righteous people on earth. Uh, there's always at least 36 righteous people on earth. It has nothing to do with that. It's yeah, an arbitrary total. Yeah, Arbi- it's an arbitrary number that we came up with. Actually, or a, is it? Or is it? No, I think. <laughs> I think when we first started, I think it, we were in like a couple months, and we had. Well, we Gary, had actually. There was you. You pulled. You queued it, or you queried it. Yeah. yeah we, so we. So we asked Gary, our our uh, our programmer, to check and see how many people were listening on the website during the show, and at the, that particular time, it was thirty six people. And so, and so we said, well, we got 36 listeners. Now we've made the joke rule that uh, if it's always 36, so if one person starts listening, that means we've lost the listener. And Monty uh, noted that and said, well, I got good news, bad news. The good news is I've become one of the 36. The bad news is that you lost somebody. <laughs> so see, our, our listening audience is savvy. They know what's going on. You know, we didn't do, we didn't talk about the, the book, the book review on Jacob Neusner. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, we can I talk mean, about I, that. Actually, that, just, I was also going to tell you about the book that I'm reading, which I've talked about oh, earlier uh, before. But it's uh, Paul and the Trinity. I'm coming to the end of it now. What a dynamite book! Basically, his uh, his boom hill. Yeah, it's really good. Wesley Hill. I follow him on Twitter too. He's fun to follow on Twitter. Uh, you know who's hilarious to follow on Twitter? Chris Tilling. Yeah, that guy is so. Did you funny. see his? Did you see his? <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. It was awesome. I love he, it. he had one that said, uh, <laughs> uh, spot, it said, spot the bad ASS uh, biblical theologian. And then it had a, a picture and it was just question marks, uh, you know, like hundreds and hundreds of question marks. And then there was just his picture right, <laughs> right down in the <laughs> Oh man! The whole book. Oh, it was so good. Anyway, uh-huh. yeah, that guy's hilarious. I can't wait to uh, to see him at the SBL. Anyway, um, yeah, Paul and the Trinity. What a dynamite book! Uh, Hill basically makes the case that uh, uh, God God's identity is uh, is conveyed to us through Father Son. That is not. It's there's not. Uh, you know, it's not higher status or lower status. It's that we can relate to that. It's always been that way for God, and that that's how He is. You know, and if you look at His uh, His His nature within the uh, within the the various passages within Scripture, that's how Paul uh, presents it. Is that uh, is that God is is both. Uh, you know, is that it's that's, so awesome. It's, it's a it's really like, good book. Uh, you know where. Uh... It's the, the account of the burning bush, but it's uh, that Yeshua quotes to the Sadducees, right? The Sadducees are, they, we don't believe in a resurrection, and so they come up and say, you know, there's uh, a woman, and she's had seven husbands, right? All brothers, you know, remember that. Yeah. Well, concerning the resurrection, he says, I am the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. He's not God of the dead, but of the living. Well, he makes that point. But this idea of when God says God of something in the Bible— but that's so important to tell us about who God is. And Paul, time and time again, says the God who rose Yeshua from the dead, right? Or the God uh, and Father of our Lord Yeshua. In other words, the name 
and this is one of the things that Hill gets into, is these different ways that show that the early followers of Yeshua did not think of God separate from Yeshua. That yeah, was, it's exactly. All, it's all bound together. Understanding who Yeshua is, and and it, it's a it's a complex issue. It's not it's not uh, paganism. It's not polytheism. It's just it's that God has a story in history, and 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 it's a wonderful book. His book, Hill's book, with uh, with uh, like coupled with Tilling's book, which Tillings, I've yeah. which I've basically been reading, you know, uh, back to back. And Hill's book is not a big book. It's just I had to put it down to do other projects. Hill's book is a little bit easier. It's much easier. Accessible. I think, I think yeah. it's a little more accessible. Um, it's still it got great, great key points. Yes, uh, I, I agree with you. Okay, uh, move on to Newsner. I, yeah, I, so I saw this. You posted this oh, anyway, on our this Facebook just, page. Yeah, this is an article. I by, haven't read it. Uh, by Shotwell Magid. He's a, a Jewish scholar. I think he's at Indiana University, Indiana, Indiana University. Um, I've got a couple of books by him, uh, but anyway, he is uh, writing on a book review of a book on Jacob Neusner's life, biography of Jacob Neusner. Jacob Neusner is the New York Times says he's the most published person in human history. Yeah. So for those who don't know, there is a joke that goes around that uh, a scholar one time called Jacob Neusner's house and his wife picks up and uh, he says, is uh, Dr. Neusner there? And the wife says, I'm sorry, he's writing a book right now. And the scholar says, I'll wait. I'll hold. I'll sure, hold. Yeah. 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 That's exactly. So the idea is uh, uh, this guy has, has just been uh, a monster publisher I had the joy of meeting him and just having an actually quiet little conversation in Chicago at SBL. I sat down next to him. and um, Anyway, so he was Marty Jaffe's teacher. He's my, one of my major influence in the academic world, Martin S. Jaffe. He uh, did his Ph.D. under Neusner at Brown University in like 1980 or something. But um, So Neusner's influenced me through Jaffe primarily. Um, and this is it's a great it's a great article to read. Um, some might even be interested in buying the book. This is a book review. Uh, Neusner's a real interesting story. It's a it's a, a biography. If you if you like biographies, um, this would be definitely a biography to read. Um, and so I just posted that this morning on Facebook, thinking people might uh, be interested. But he he break broke down the paradigm and and really influenced how. Uh, the Talmud and the Mishnah and, and Midrashim, you know, rabbinic literature would be should be studied sure. properly with proper history, and uh, he uh, just made exceptional gains. He's not without critics, and not everything he touched turned to gold or anything. But uh, good guy. A, f- a funny anecdote. So when I met him in in Chicago in nineteen or in 2012, um, I, uh, I said, Hey, do you mind if I can, can I use my, because I had my laptop there and I said, can I get a picture of us? He said, sure. And then he said, uh, the last picture, and it was kind of this Brooklyn accent. The last picture I took, <laughs> I had taken of me was with the Pope. <laughs> Cause he's the, he was the, he was the Pope's favorite rabbi. And there's a, there, this is when it was, was it Ratzinger or whoever the Pope was? Um, had interactions with him. So yeah, the last picture I had taken was with the Pope. And I said, that's a tough act to follow. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Uh, so Gary tells us, our programmer tells us uh, that uh, today a little listener trivia or, you know, uh, maybe information. Countries present today, the, uh, these are pe- con- people in these countries are currently listening to The Rob and Caleb Show uh, live. The USA, the UK, Germany, Canada, and Honduras. Oh, wow. Thank you, whoever's listening in Honduras. We sure so appreciate it. We need to we need to ask everybody are we all on is it all day look outside. <laughs> what where is the sun in the sky? Is yeah. it dark? <laughs> well, UK and Germany are pro- probably pretty close um in time. Mm, yeah, time, it's, so. it's probably not dark there yet. I think there are 7 hours, 8 hours ahead. Seven o'clock. Earth is a globe. All right, I think we've uh, we've done it. We've 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 actually hit over an hour. I think we're at uh, an hour and four minutes. So that's enough time for people to listen to us talk. Uh, we're going to be gone next week, um, but we're going to be at camp, uh, and we're going to be trying to broadcast live some uh, some stuff on Facebook from camp on the Torah Resource Facebook page. So. Uh, look out for that. We're going to post some stuff up there. That'll be really fun. And then uh, also, uh, we have two new broadcasts that will be aired next week and the week after. The chat room will still be open, and you uh, might still get show notes. I'm not sure about that, but you might. So uh, remember to uh, to be in the chat room where you guys can all chat it up. And uh, we're going to be off uh, learning about uh, the Psalms at camp and hopefully glorifying our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. <laughs>